All right, tonight we're going to finish up our study on enjoying life. And I hope that you've enjoyed the study on enjoying life. And it's been a help to me. What we've been doing is taking uh, the Bible and just asking the question, how can we enjoy life? And, and uh, you ask that question around, you make different answers. But more importantly, what does God say? We know this, that Jesus Christ said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So it's, God's, it's Jesus Christ's will for us to have eternal life in heaven, but he wants us to enjoy life here. And so it's not just about you know, getting through and you know, building rewards in heaven and you know, someday it'll all be worthwhile, which is true, but there is enjoyment in serving Jesus Christ right now. Do you agree with that statement? Amen. It's in the Bible, and we've looked at it over and over again for the last five weeks, and now tonight different ways that we can enjoy life. Last week we looked at a, a man named Amnon who was the king's son. But the Bible said he was lean from day to day. And, and his friend said to him, his cousin said, why are you being the king's son lean from day to day? And he asked the question, with all that you have going for, if you're the king's son, why can't you enjoy life? And we have to ask ourselves the same question. If we are children of the king, we have a heavenly father, a home in heaven, and all the promises of the Bible for us, why can't we enjoy, why shouldn't we enjoy life? Why aren't we enjoying life? We looked at several reasons that can hinder us from having that enjoyable life. You know this? They just did a survey in the United States. Uh, they asked the question, are you happy? What percentage of people do you think describe themselves as happy? In the United States, just tick the box and said, "Yes, I'm happy." How much? One percent. That's that's pretty low. How much? Thirty. Thirty-three percent. So one third of Americans describe themselves as happy, which is kind of a, that means sixty-six percent, sixty-seven percent of people in the United States couldn't find enough joy in their life to check a box and said they're happy. That's a pretty sad statement, actually. If you, if you look at two out of three people that walk by you in the mall and think, not happy, not happy, happy, not happy, not happy, that's a, that's a big number. How many Christians could check that box? You know, there is, in some research, there is a connection between a religious belief and happiness. There ought to be. The truth should bring us happiness, all right? So there ought to be a correlation there. But tonight I'm just going to give you a little quiz. I want you to think about this tonight. I'm going to ask you some questions. I want you to come up with an answer in your mind and see what you know about the Bible as we begin. How many books of the Bible? Don't say it out loud. How many books are there in the Bible? Do you know that answer? I'll give you, on the count of three, every, give me your answer, right? One, two, three. 66 books in the entire Bible, right? So uh, I have a slide here for you. Here they are. There's a 66. This is like a library. So now I want you to picture this library of all these 66 books, all right? And so if you're going to walk into a library with these 66 books on the shelf and you are going to pull out one book that you want to learn, I'm going to start easy and work our way harder, right? If you want to think about one book that would teach you about the life of Christ, what book would you pull off the shelf there? Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, right? One of the Gospels, right? That's the story of Jesus Christ. We understand that. So those books tell us the story of Jesus Christ. If you're going to pick out one book from that shelf to learn about, this is tough now, the beginning. If you say something besides Genesis, you need to go back to uh, school and, and study again. Genesis is the book of beginnings, all right? Uh, if you had to pick out one book, about the early, the history of the early church. I'm going to ditch this microphone right now because it's already. 
I apologize. I have a hard time with that microphone. I've bent that thing every way. Either my ears are too big or too muscular or something. I don't know. All right. A book about the early church, the history of the early church. What book would you pick off that shelf? Book of Acts, right? So it has the history of the early church, right? Um, how about this? If you wanted to learn about what's going to happen next, there's several answers, but what, what's going to happen next? In the New Testament, you'd pick out the book of Revelation. How about in the Old Testament? What book do you pick out of the Old Testament? There's probably several answers. Daniel's a good one. Daniel's a good one that you would pick off that shelf. Uh, how about this? If you wanted to make a good decision, you're looking for some wisdom, and you're in the Old Testament section of the library, what would you pick out? Proverbs. How about if you want to make a good decision and live a, a practical wisdom, a, a wisdom of a, 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 live, a lived out wisdom, and you're in the New Testament section, what book would you pick out? Book of James, that's right. And, and Brother Pastor Levi just preached you the book of James uh, for the teenagers. And so that is a book of practical wisdom, all right? If you're going through a difficult time and you're kind of struggling and you're having a hard time, you just need to be cheered up and, and maybe find some, you know, some joy there, what book in the Old Testament would you maybe pick out? Psalms? Proverbs? Something like that? I go to Psalms probably. All right, here's a tough one. Maybe it's not tough. There's one book of the Bible that talks uh, the main theme of the book in the, in the Bible, of the 66 we're looking at, talks about having a confident joy. A confident joy. Book of Philippians, right? So it does take a Bible to turn the book of Philippians, all right? And so if we're going to talk a, a series about enjoying life, and there's 66 books to choose from, and one of those books talks about having a confident joy, then I think we ought to have at least one message from that book. So we're going to look at Philippians chapter 1 about enjoying life and seeing the big picture. Philippians chapter 1. So I've entitled this message simply, Seeing the Big Picture. Seeing the Big Picture. Hopefully by tonight you'll see several truths that will bring confident joy in your life. And I hope to help you today to just kind of step back a little bit and look at the big picture that Paul presents for us here in the book of Philippians and so that we can see how to have joy in our life. So as we jump into Philippians, let me remind you that as Paul writes this book about confident joy, where's Paul right now physically in his life? He's in jail, right? So of all the places to write the book about joy, <laughs> was in prison, all right? So that's where he was. Philippians chapter 1 will begin this in verse number 1. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, the saints in Christ Jesus which are in Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, you all making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you, perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Let's have a word of prayer, look at several truths here from this passage. Heavenly Father, as we look at your word, I pray that you'll help us to see what you want us to see tonight. And Lord, I pray that we, these truths would become a part of our lives, and we would see uh, this world and our life the way you see it, help us to see how we fit into the the big picture of things, and Lord, may this big picture bring us great joy as we try to serve you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. All right, number one, big truth number one I want to give you tonight is you are not alone. 
You are not alone. This ought to bring you some joy. Though Paul was alone in prison, he found great joy in the memories that he had of the church of Philippi. That's what he says here in verse number 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always and every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy. He says, I sit here in prison alone. I think of you, and that brings me joy. So Paul had to take a step back and say, my surroundings are not the best. But as I look at the big picture, there is my, my friends, my co-laborers, the people that I uh, led to Christ in the, in the city of Philippi, and I think about them, that brings me great joy. It may not be joy where I'm at and what's going on in my life right now, but the fellowship I have with the people in, in, in the church in Philippi brought him great joy. They had supported him off and on in the past. In fact, Paul said, uh, you had sent to me many times and, and probably financial support. And so they are very involved in Paul's life, and that brought him joy as he thought about this group, this fellowship, these people. He enjoyed, the Bible says there, uh, in verse number of four, five, for your fellowship in the gospel. He said, it's your fellowship that I enjoy. The word fellowship means partnership. He said, we work together. We're on the same team. And so he found great joy in a, in a very terrible situation, knowing that he had a fellowship with other believers. And he saw this big picture that he was not alone. And so tonight, I don't know what you're going through, but there's times where we all feel that way. We all feel like we're all alone and, and no, nobody understands what I'm going through. Nobody knows what I'm going through right now, and, and I'm having a hard time. I'm going through a difficult situation, a circumstance, and I feel all alone, and I can't really explain this to anybody. And here's Paul, and here's us sometimes, but I'm going to tell you right now, you're not alone. You know, the Bible talks us about, tells us about Elijah. Elijah had a great victory, and one at Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal, and he felt all alone. And no, he, the problem was Elijah didn't see the big picture. And so God set him down. He showed him the big picture. He said, hey, Elijah, you're not alone. He said, I have 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee, and you think you're the only one. He said, let me show you the big picture. And so I want to show you the big picture tonight. You're not alone. We have, we have a fellowship. I want you to know if you're here at Bible Baptist Church, we have a fellowship here. This, this group of body of believers is more than just an organization. It's an organism. It's, it's a living, breathing organism, and we're here to help each other. We're here to love each other. We're here to support each other. And I'm telling you right now, if you choose to come and be part of this, uh, this fellowship, whether you join as a member or not, it doesn't matter. If you come here and you fellowship with us, you're part of that fellowship. And so that ought, I hope that, that coming to church brings you joy. You, you bring me joy. I come to the door, and, I, and, and even before I come to church, I think, I get to see this person today and shake their hand, talk to them. And then Pastor Levi uh, usually gets up and leads the singing, and I enjoy singing with our church. I enjoy it when you sing out. I enjoy singing some of the great hymns of the faith and some of the, the new songs that, that maybe I don't know as well. I enjoy that. I enjoy the, the music. I enjoy the fellowship. I know this is kind of maybe old school. I enjoy the handshaking still or the fist bumping or the elbow bumping, whatever we do, so we don't spread germs. But, you know, it's all part of the fellowship. You know, I enjoy, I enjoy getting together and working with you. Handing out hot chocolate or, or doing the help program. or do, That's fellowship. And we, we have a common goal. A while back, some of our uh, young adults went out to uh, a soup kitchen and to a, a, a place up in London. We handed out and helped out serve a meal there. And I, I enjoyed that, serving alongside our people. We had, there's a commonness. There's, there's a, a joy. If you're not coming on Wednesday night to our mission, I'd encourage you to come out and be part of the fellowship. Don't sit home alone feeling sorry for yourself 
when there's fellowship and joy among the people of God. Paul said, what brings me joy here, I can't be with them, but in my mind, my mind goes back to Philippi. Can you, you know who, who, who are the members of the church in Philippi? Any, any ideas? The Bible tells us some people who got saved in Philippi. Anybody know who they were? Lydia was one of them. Famous story. We don't even know his name. We just call him by the Philippian jailer. Probably a member of the church here. So these are the people Paul's talking about. And he's thinking about them. And he's, and he's reminiscing. And that brought him joy. Listen, folks, you're part of a fellowship. You're part of a partnership. We are here as a Bible Baptist church to seek Christ together and to share hope together. That, that's, that's our goal. And so we, you get to come and be part of that. And, and I'm glad you come on a Sunday night. Obviously, there are many people who came Sunday morning. We had a great crowd this morning, didn't we? But doesn't it feel good to come to the house and, and feel energy and life? We had some new visitors. Uh, you know, I'm excited to tell you that Caleb got saved. Man, that's, it. I, that's, that's fun. You know, this makes church enjoyable. We're seeking Christ and sharing hope. And, and I hope that even the Bible study tonight will give you something to think about and will help you seek Christ more. That's the fellowship. So if you want to enjoy life, don't neglect the fellowship. Don't neglect the partnership. Reach out. Reach out. Are you, are you struggling? You having a hard time going through a difficult time? Reach out for some fellowship. Look around you. Here, there are people here that want to be an encouragement and part of your joy. You're part of my joy. I'm part of your joy, I hope. As you come to church and we come and we worship together. And we, and we sing as a group. And we give as a group. You know, it brought me great joy to be part of the group that paid off the mortgage at Bible Baptist Church. I, I didn't do it myself, <laughs> for sure. But I did my part. And all of you did your part. And together, God used that. And God's using this church. 500,000 John and Romans sent out across Canada. We're, we're, this, before the summer comes, we will finish off all of Ontario. That's crazy. Every home in Ontario would have gotten a John Romans because of the ministry out there at 320 Highbury. Because you had a part. Because you had a part. It's a fellowship. So stepping back and seeing the big picture is I'm not alone. I, I'm in this, I have other people and we're working together and I'm part of a fellowship. Let me give you a second big truth here. It's a famous verse, verse number six. Being confident of this very thing, which he hath begun a good work in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Can I say, secondly, you are more important than you think. This verse is amazing to me because it tells me that God's interested in me. He's working on me. He began a good work in me back when I was 11 years old, when I was just a little boy in Cleveland, Ohio. He began a good work in Caleb Yeomans just last Sunday night. He began a good work in Kyle Ford just last week. And he that began a good work in you, how, let me ask you this question. How old were you, were you when you got saved? Think about that. Think about that. How old were you when you got saved? On the count of three, I want you to give me that number, all right? Think about that number. One, two, three. Think about that. God's been working on you since then. Yeah, God's working your life to bring you to that point of salvation. But this verse is telling us that he that began a good work in you will perform it until the day 
of Jesus Christ. God's interested in you. He's continuing to work in your life. You are under construction. I remember years ago in Cleveland Baptist Church, we had a family that came to sing for us. Uh, they had two little boys like we saw tonight, and uh, they were the, the Wisner family. And I remember this little boy, he would grab that microphone and he would just belt it. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? Just no inhibition, just let it rip. And he sang a song, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and stars, but he's still working on me. And I remember him singing that song, and, and I think he even messed the words up one time and said, uh, he's still, uh, I'm still working on him. We got a little confused there a little bit, and we laughed about that. But he's still working, he's still working on me to make him what he ought to be. That's what he said. But that's, a little conf- that's not very good doctrine there, but it was, it was interesting and fun. Bring some joy, right? And so let me tell you that Jesus Christ, the God the Father, is still working on you. This should bring you confident joy. All right? So no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, no matter what trials you're going through, it's just God working on you. He began a good work in you, and he's not done with you. In fact, the book of James explains it this way. It says you can count it joy when you go through diverse temptations because that's just God working on you. He's trying to work patience, and when patience has its perfect work, you'll be perfect and entire wanting nothing. And so the trials of life is just God working on you, and God working on you, and God working on you, and God teaching you, and God molding you, and God making you. And so are you going to have trials? Yes. Is something bad going to happen this week? Yes. Are you going to have downtimes and discouraging? Yes, it's okay, though. It's just God working on you. And the trial of your faith worketh patience. We can face every trial with joy because it's no, it's just God who has not given up up on you. You are so so important to God. In fact, this this is a true statement. You are more important to God than God's important to you. You said, no, no, God's my entire life. Doesn't matter. You're more important to God than God could ever be to you. Because His He's perfect. And, and we we're sinners and we say, no, God's my everything. And I rely on God. No, but He, he you're that important. Uh, there's a song that says, uh, He loves me like I'm His only child. That's the God who loves you, and he's involved in your life. And I want to encourage you today by letting you know you're more important maybe than you think. And if we focus sometimes on the immediate situation and not the big picture of what God is trying to do in us, it's hard to have joy. If you were Paul and you were stuck in a jail and all your friends were back in Philippi and other churches and they were worshiping and they are singing and they are having a good time and, you know, it's Sunday morning, Paul's in a prison, chained down, can't get to the fellowship of the believers. He could have got down real quick. But Paul's able to look back at the big picture and say, hey, I, I find joy that I'm not alone, and, and I find joy that God's still working on me. In fact, Paul, probably the greatest Christian who ever lived that we would look at in the Bible, like in the New Testament, he said, I haven't apprehended. No, I'm, I'm still working. I'm still, I'm still trying to achieve. You know, I, I, I just want to know Christ, and I want to pursue Christ. And I, I'm not done with Christ, and Christ's not done with me. He, he hasn't really laid hold of me yet to make me what I ought to be, and so he's still working on me. That ought to bring us joy. And so I want to encourage you, just big picture truth is that you're not alone. You're part of a great fellowship here that, that loves you and cares about you, and we have a partnership, and we're moving forward as a church, and, we're, and you're part of that. And I also want you to know that you're more important than you think. Because God's thinking about you and working in your life.
want to show you one more thing. Big truth number three is you're not as important as you think. Say, well, wait a minute. You just said you're more important than you think. Well, no, but the truth of the matter is you're maybe not as important as you think. Both those statements are true. You're more important to God than you think. But Paul talks about here that we're not maybe as important as we think. Look what caused Paul to rejoice. Paul, we know, is a passionate, driven preacher. But he's locked up in jail. I'm sure, I'm sure it just drove him crazy. I mean, I mean, he witnessed everybody around him, but he wanted to be out and he wanted to be going, but this is where God had him and it, that, that passion and that drive. But look here what it says in uh, chapter 1, verse number 12. But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happen unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and all other, other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife and some of goodwill. He said, other people have been, because where I'm in prison, they're, they're more bold. <laughs> this is crazy. Some are doing it because they're out of envy and strife, and some are doing it for the right reason. I don't know why. I mean, for some reason, people got motivated out of envy and strife to preach the gospel while Paul was in jail. In jail, But that's what, he, that's what he says happened. Look at the next verse. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, and the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding, every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, listen to this, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Listen, he said, no, it brings me joy. I'm not as important. I'm not the whole mission here. It's not about me. Paul realized it was all about Jesus Christ. And he said, while I'm stuck here in prison, there are people preaching the gospel. And in that, I rejoice. And I want you to see this. He understood their motives but he didn't judge their motives. Some do it for pretense. Some do it to be mean because they're mad at me or just to, to get back at me. And some do it out of goodwill. It doesn't matter. I don't care. As long as Jesus Christ is exalted, go at it. Go ahead. Preach Jesus Christ. And it brought him great joy to know that even though he was stuck in jail, Jesus Christ was being preached. It wasn't the success of the mission did not lie squarely on his shoulders. He was just one man. He was just one servant. He was just one person sold out to Jesus Christ. And when he couldn't do what he wanted to do, Jesus Christ was still being preached. Hey, can I tell you, the mission does not lie squarely on your shoulders. Rejoice in this. Jesus Christ is being preached. Jesus Christ. Sometimes you think, my witness isn't what it ought to be, and I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not having the success that I ought to have and I want to have. Guess what? Jesus Christ is still being preached. Take joy in that. Can I show you a slide here? This week, the gospel was preached in these places. These are our missionaries. You may not be able to see all of them. Bartley's in St. Lucia, Benbrook's in Martinique, the Donnelly's in Canadian Arctic, Goodman's in Mexico, Kelly's in Indonesia, Jenkins in Gambia, the Jones in Rankin Inlet, Dr. Cadio in Ivory Coast, Hutchins in, in New Zealand, the Leans in Indonesia, the Max in the Ivory Coast, the Marquez in Mexico City, the Meads in Senegal, the, the Nibbies in Romania, the Pax in Japan, Terry Sharp in Canary Islands, Baptist Church Planning Ministries, Bionia Children's Home, and the Medical Missions Outreach and others. 
Jesus Christ was preached this week. If you put money in the offering plate and you support the missions program, Jesus Christ was preached this week. If you've put money in the offering plate and, and you've come to this church and been part of this church and you've supported this church, Bible Baptist Church exists. And because Bible Baptist Church exists, people heard the gospel all around the world. And so that should bring us joy. Yes, Bible Baptist Church has a responsibility to reach our community, and we're trying to do that more and more, even with our mission night on Wednesday night. It's all about getting out into the community. That's all great. But whether or not we see numbers of people saved here, Jesus Christ is being preached. We find great joy. Paul says, I, great, I greatly rejoice in that. As long as Jesus is exalted, I don't care who gets the credit. I don't care who's involved. If I'm stuck here in the prison, I praise God. Jesus is being preached. That should bring us joy. And you know what? I hope you, you, that, that stirs you and says, I want to be part of that. I want to come on mission night. I want to write letters to our missionaries and encourage them. I know sometimes we, we, you come here and you pray for our missionaries on Wednesday night and you write letters. These are the people that are doing the job all around the world. We had another young couple that visited our church on Wednesday night, the Cripps family. Cripps family is going to go start a church in Houston. They're going to go preach the gospel down in Houston. Jesus Christ is being preached. You don't have to do it all. All you got to do is your part. And Paul saw the big picture that was not all about him, but it's all about Jesus Christ. And sometimes that would bring us joy if we just step back and look at all the places Jesus Christ is being preached. I get frustrated we don't have more people saved here. But I got to look at the big picture. Am I preaching Jesus Christ? If I'm not, I need to start. If I am, if I don't have the results that I want to see, that's okay. Jesus Christ is being preached and being preached all around the world through the missions of this church. You are not, it's not all about you. It's not all, about, you're not that important. Jesus Christ can, can use other people and Jesus Christ will use others and his name will go forward. Take joy in that. One more thing I want to share with you. Take joy in this. You are impacting others. You are impacting others. Look at verse 21. Famous verse, Paul says, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what shall I choose I want not? For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. He says, listen to Paul. Paul's saying, I want to die, and I want to live. I want to die, but I want to live. Both those statements were true. He said, it's better for me if I die, I can be with Jesus Christ, but it's more needful for me to stay alive because that helps you. And so he has this, he's in a great strait, the Bible says. So he describes this great struggle between life and death in his mind. Look at the next verse, verse 25. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you, you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. He, what kept him going and brought him joy was the fact that he was impacting others. He said, I'm gonna, I believe I'm going to stay on this earth because I am here to bring you joy. I'm here to impact you. And that brought him great joy, and it brought the people in Philipp and the Philippine church great joy. He enjoyed life by finding a purpose bigger than himself. You want to enjoy life? 
find a purpose bigger than you. It's, I remember I was out at camp. Uh, I was out in Newfoundland preaching at a camp, teenage camp. And some of you know Boyd Stansford. Boyd was the leader of the camp. And he must have said dozens of times this week, hey, the message of the camp this week is it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. And I tell you today, it's not about you. It's about Jesus Christ. And, and uh, the truth of the matter is, Paul says, it's not about me. I have a purpose way bigger. If I die, that's God's choice. If I live, that's God's choice. It's all about him. And he found this purpose in something bigger than himself. And he had to find that. And if we just struggle and we all we do is work, look at the purpose of ourselves and fulfilling and making ourselves, listen, if we make the, our own happiness our ultimate goal, I'm going to do everything I can to make myself happy. Say, Pastor Han, what are you talking about? You're talking about enjoying life, and now you're telling me don't try to make myself happy. Exactly. We don't find happiness by trying to make ourselves happy. He found joy in bringing joy to the Philippians. And in that, his joy was magnified. You having a down day? Go find someone to be nice to. You're struggling. You, you can hardly... Get going because you're so burdened. Go do something kind for somebody else. That's how you have joy. Find a purpose bigger than yourselves. You understand this. If you're a parent, you understand this. You find joy in doing things for your kids that you don't find for yourself. I used to love going to amusement parks. I used to love roller coasters. I used to love roller coasters until I got old and my ears dried up or whatever happened. Now I get sick every time I get on a roller coaster. I still love it, but I just can't handle it. I loved amusement parks. I loved going. That's what, when I first started being a youth pastor, I'd say, they'd say, you know, talk about being a youth pastor. I'm, I'm, I'm so smart. I get paid to go to amusement parks. I get paid to go to London Lightning basketball games. I get paid to do all these things that I want to do. I'm no fool, man. I love it. I get paid for these things, all right? But my fondest memories of amusement parks are not me enjoying thrill rides. My fondest memories are me enjoying my wife and my girls enjoying amusement parks, right? You find greater joy watching those that you love enjoy themselves, right? Parents, grandparents, understand that? You find greater joy in helping somebody else have joy. Now, take, let's, let's go back big picture. That's life. It's not about you. It's not about you trying to grab joy and make sure I'm happy and I get to do what I want to do so I'll be happy and, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make the choice. We're going to go my way and do my thing so I can be. No, no. You find joy by finding joy for other people. That's what Paul said. He said, I, I'm finding joy in helping you rejoice. And so we go to these amusement parks for my wife and kids. And this is what I don't understand. If we have a mouse in our house, my wife would go, would go crazy. We drive 24 hours, pay huge money to stand in line for tickets and stand in line for 30 minutes to see a guy dressed like a mouse. I'm the best guy in the world. It? But you know why we, know why we do that? It brings them great joy. I still don't understand what my wife sees in Mickey Mouse, but there's something there. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of jealous, actually. But we find great joy in taking them and seeing them enjoy life. Christ said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. 
I remember a man preached a message here not too long ago. Oh, no, I mean, I'm sorry, a long time ago. Most of you weren't here, but he preached a message, and he, and he preached on that verse. And he talked about how much he loved to receive. I, I like getting stuff. I mean, I all like getting stuff. But Christ said, as good as that is, it's better to give than to receive. It's better to give than to receive. Uh, there's a book, Christian book. It's entitled, How Happiness Happens. And the conclusion is this. Happiness happens when you give it away. That's, that's how you get happy. You want to enjoy life? Give it away. Give away some joy. Go around this week and just spread some joy, and you'll get joy. It tells the story of a man uh, down in the Bahamas, and he, they call him, he just stands at a roundabout, and he waves at people all morning long. That's what he does. Smiles and waves and smiles and waves. And people drive out of their way to work to go by to have this guy wave at them. Or they'll go around the roundabout two or three times to get a wave from this guy. And this is his job. He just, he just does it. He just does it. He just does it. It, it talks about how that when you, when you are able to do something kind for somebody else, uh, in your brain, endorphins are released almost like it is when you eat a good meal. Same kind of feeling that you get from having, those of you who love food don't understand what this means, that endorphins that you get from doing something kind, that there's an explosion of joy in, in, the, in the neurons of your brain. It's, it's backed up by research, and it's backed up by Jesus Christ. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Big picture. You want to enjoy life? Stop trying to enjoy life. Help somebody else enjoy life. And you'll enjoy life. That's what, that's what Paul said. It's not about me. I, if I have my way about it, it's better that I go to be with Christ. But it's more needful that I stay here and somehow can bring you joy. You will enjoy life more when you can see the big picture that you can impact other people. So my challenge today is this. Just step back a minute and see how you fit in the big picture. See how God wants to use you this week to spread joy. And stop making your joy the ultimate goal and make Jesus Christ and his glory and the joy of other people your ultimate goal. And it's so simple, right? Jesus first, others second, then yourself. Happiness happens. Joy comes when we give it away. Hey, you're not alone. We have a fellowship here. You're more important than you think because Jesus Christ is still working on you and he cares about you, but you're not as important as you think because no matter what, as long as Jesus Christ has preached, that's what really matters. And you have the opportunity, listen, this week to impact somebody else and bring joy. And in so doing, you'll have joy in your own life. Would you bow your head and close your eyes?